Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined death and the castration of Uranus. Today's show will focus on temperance and sufrosinae. about stories, cards, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, tarot, love. Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new age wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Good yeah. to Good to be here after, uh, good to know that you're still here after yes. the <laughs> tragedy of the death card. <laughs> yes. Um, the ordeal. And today we're talking about temperance. Yay. <laughs> temperance number 14 on our tarot. Mm -hmm. uh, so temperance, is, it's very important that it happens after death, actually, because it's kind of a healing card. A little bit of the healing card after death, but also uh, the first card after death that brings us into the underworld. Yeah. Um, and it's very similar to its mirror card, as I like to call them, uh, which is the star. It has a lot of similar characteristics, and um, the star actually happens after the next ordeal. The, the next pairing, I guess? Um, well, or... like the... So in 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 tarot, there's two cards that really stand out as being intense transformation and um, chaotic inducing cards. Mm -hmm. One is death, um, which is the ultimate transformation, and the other is the tower, mm. which is destruction. <laughs> death, destruction, you get it all, all right. here. Yeah, exactly. We're we're hearing it all. So temperance is how do we heal after death and. Um, and then, of course, the star comes after the tower, and that is how do we heal after destruction. So today we're going to talk about temperance, and of course it has some of the, some similar characteristics of the star, and, I, and that's done very much on purpose because um, the star and temperance have kind of different, I'm going to say, messages about how to heal. Okay. Right? Um, when it comes to temperance, it's all about finding moderation between opposites and balancing those opposites and taking those into your being. So uh, I, I would say that this is kind of the Western interpretation of the yin-yang, mm. if you know about the yin-yang sim symbolic I think we've meanings. we talked about it a bit before, too, but a little maybe bit, helpful yeah. to go over it again. Um, so the yin-yang is um, a Taoist symbol of balance and... Uh, there's this yin energy, which is the black with a white spot, that's balanced with the yang energy, which is white with a, a dark spot. And it's this idea of uh, finding the balance between something that's totally positive and totally negative, uh, something that's high energy and low energy, something that's um, receiving, receiving versus putting things out, like this concept that everything has yin and yang has this duality and mm -hmm. polarity, if you will, and finding balance between them. So in our Western interpretation of this, we call this the virtue of temperance. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, so we received a question about, <laughs> about the tarot. 
uh, which is, well, like a couple questions. One is, um, what do you do with your first tarot deck? Which is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, what do you do to prepare for reading? Mm -hmm. So I'd like to talk a little bit about preparing for a reading first, and then maybe we get to talk a little bit more about different ways of preparing your decks. Yeah. I would like to talk about temperance as well, but... Oh, of course. <laughs> we will definitely talk about temperance. So uh, how to... So this has a, a little bit to do with the quality of temperance, actually, whenever I prepare for a tarot reading. Um, it's, by the way, if you are seeking out a tarot practitioner f to give you a tarot reading, I feel like it's really important that you have some sort of connection with your tarot reader. Um, and, you know, it, it could be a connection that is even you know, that you're complete strangers. Like, I don't, I'm not saying you need to know the person. I'm just saying that it's, like, every reader will interpret the cards differently. And if uh, if your card reader is kind of forcing symbols on you that you're not really feeling those symbols, then perhaps you might need a, a different tarot reader. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so what do I do personally to prepare for giving a tarot reading is I like to try and clear my mind as much as possible. It's very easy as a as a reader to kind of put in my own emotions into a card reading, mm -hmm. like into reading all the different cards and how they're laid out and how to interpret them. And sometimes uh, like your own, your own emotions and your own beliefs of what the person might be asking, you know, that can filter into your interpretation and you're not giving as good a, or as accurate of a reading um, as the person deserves. So. Uh, what I like to do is I actually have like three mudras. Um, one is the mudra is a hand. Oh yes. positioning hand positions. Yeah. I I, I have kind of like a, I do like a mini meditation, if you will, before mm -hmm. giving a reading. And um, sometimes I have crystals involved. Um, like I I I, I, <sighs> I also carry crystals sometimes with my with my cards as like a tradition of purification, right? Um, so the mudras that I choose, I don't actually know their names. Um, my mom showed me how to do them, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, that's um, great. So my mom is a Reiki master, and so she showed me these mudras that she does before she does Reiki. And so I was like, okay. So I do the same ones that she showed me. The first one is um, has to do with aligning your crown chakra. So the idea is um, I become aware that I'm now a channel. I'm not... I'm not channeling entities, if you will, but I'm, I'm kind of channeling for the person so that I'm no longer involved. So this idea is I'm opening up the crown chakra. Uh, after that, I do a mudra that is about the heart chakra. So this is one where I kind of um, put aside my emotions, if you will, and... Um, just kind of clear it clear it away so that mm -hmm. it's not going to interfere and then finally I have a mudra to balance my uh, root chakra and so this is kind of this idea of um, remaining balanced in in the physical world as well and kind of completing the connection from spirit to the ground and also to uh, just feel grounded myself and so that my own fears won't necessarily interfere with the reading. So I do these three mudras, and sometimes I'll kind of focus more on one than another, depending on how I'm feeling that day. And yeah, so afterwards I kind of, I also 
well, visualize being crystal clear. So that's kind of why I'll sometimes have like some clear quartz or something with me nearby. And I try to visualize that my mind is like this clear quartz. My mind is crystal clear, right? So it's just kind of this idea, once again, of not interfering with the reading and just letting the reading happen. Right? So it's not so much that I'm creating the future mm -hmm. using the magic of tarot, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm very much trying to stay out of it as much as possible. <laughs> and that's just my own personal uh, interpretation of this. Um, I'm sure that other tarot readers uh, might want to enhance their emotions and kind of go about this the opposite way. Right? Um, so this is just my personal approach. Um, tarot is a very personal thing. Yeah. So it's the kind of thing that you need to... Yeah, <laughs> the kind of thing you need to uh, figure out for yourself sometimes. Uh, all right, so temperance. Let's talk a little bit about temperance. Uh, the next week we'll talk about what to do with your very first tarot deck. Yes. <laughs> okay, so temperance is this angel, if you will. Um, and it's not very clear if it's a he or a she. Uh, or it's both. It could be both. It could be a hermaphrodite. Um, and Biddy, you actually <laughs> said what hermaphrodite means, which I love. Yeah, well, so the first hermaphrodite was a child uh, between Hermes and Aphrodite. So it's so much sense. It makes sense, but it's also just, I just love how basic. Mm -hmm. Like, if you just break down the word, it's of right course, there. hermaphrodite. Hermes, Hermes and Aphrodite, of course. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, okay, so you have this hermaphrodite angel, and it's not very clear, like, who the angel is. I've read some interpretations that says the angel represents time, and others that the angel is, in fact, Cassiel, which is the angel of temperance, which makes sense. Kind of makes sense, yeah. Makes, <laughs> makes sense to me. I, I personally like the idea that it is Cassiel, as um, Cassiel is... Uh, an angel that tends to come to people who are in dark times and especially if you have just experienced uh, the ordeal that is the transformation of death uh, you are definitely in a place where you need perhaps some encouragement right some assistance yeah yeah it says here uh, Cassiel usually arrives when you're at your darkest hour feeling abandoned by all that you held dear uh, and when your he heart is very heavy and overflowing with tears, Cassiel appears uh, to help shoulder the burden and uh, keep your feelings of hopelessness at bay. So it's someone good to have with you during your descent into the underworld, as we were talking about exactly. last week. Which yes. I figured out the Greek term for that. It was bugging me when we were talking about it. I couldn't think of it. It's a catabasis. Catabasis. <laughs> catabasis is a descent into the underworld. Your descent into the underworld is your catabasis. Yes. That's our word of the week. Word of the week. Frequently <laughs> done by heroes. All right. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about this angel. There's a lot of symbols happening here. Yeah. Um, we've got... We've got the angels stepping in a lake. It looks like one foot is in the water, one foot is on the ground. That is important. The angel is uh, robed in white with red wings. That's also important. The white of the robe symbolizes purity and the red wings symbolize desire. And it's really important to know that um, the purity is what's giving form to the angel, but uh, it, is, it is his desire that actually makes it possible for him to fly. 
um, him or she. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's that's so you have this balance of these two polarities coming together, mm-hmm. and that's what actually makes them possible to work together and uh, and thrive, right? Uh, you have this very important symbol on the chest of the angel, and that is the square with a triangle in the middle. And that is actually the symbol of the Book of Tarot, or the Book of Toth, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, it is also kind of this uh, polarity between physical and spiritual. The square is often um, said to represent the four elements, so earth, fire, water, and air and the triangle is a holy trinity and there are many different kinds of holy trinity in the tarot it's the the trinity of uh the human with god with the universe and they all kind of come together and then on the angel's forehead you have the sun or the symbol of the sun it can also be a symbol of eternity and also referencing the wheel once again. So you've got a lot of a lot of symbols happening all together. Um, the sun is, of course, uh, a life bringer, and um, and the fact that it's placed right on the forehead shows kind of a divinity that's that's occurring with this angel, as if being an angel wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like the cups. The cups are kind of interesting, too. All right, yeah. So let's talk about these cups. Um, once again, there's two cups. Uh, that's important. <laughs> You've got this duality happening again. Uh, Temperance often talks about partnerships and um, balancing and also compromise within pa- partnerships. Uh, however... These two cups often symbolize um, the past and the future. So you've got one cup being the past, the other cup being the future, and the water is actually flowing back and forth between them. I know it kind of looks like the water is flowing maybe more from the left cup into the right cup, but it actually is can flow either way. And this water is said to represent the present. This idea that when you combine, once again, two dualities of the past combining with the future, you enter into what is our our true reality, which is present, right? Uh, it's the only thing that you're really experiencing is the present. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so you've also got, um, at, so let's look again at the angel's feet. You have two flowers on the left and you have an open path towards mountains and what looks like a rising or setting sun on the on the other side (laughs) right Mm -hmm. keep seeing suns you see a lot of suns yeah Yeah, we see a lot of suns um suns can mean a lot of thing in a lot of things in tarot it can be the passage of time but often it represents um like promise and also enlightenment (laughs) yeah that makes sense and uh yeah suns can mean a lot of things uh, so you have two flowers that normally is also signifying balance, right? Um, and it's been kind of debated about what these flowers actually are. Personally, I think they look like irises. Mm-hmm. Um, they, yeah. they could be lilies. Yeah. I personally think they're irises, yellow irises, uh, which is a flower of faith and uh, courage and wisdom. So... I personally think that is what the flower is here, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go with that. Um, 
if they were lilies, then it would also uh, be more along the lines of purity. But the fact that they're yellow is, I think, saying more about joy and, and faith than it is about uh, purity, though. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so uh, let's bring this all together we've got temperance here yeah what does it mean when you get <laughs> when, it when you or... get temperance it's kind of a difficult thing to define i find um maybe that's because i struggle with it <laughs> uh, i don't know what that's like at all <laughs> temperance is definitely a virtue um sometimes they'll say that it's the the virtue that uh f- combats gluttony okay if you will uh, temperance is about not overdoing it. It's about um, finding that balance, really, between things being totally bad or totally good and really just going with the flow. Uh, so there's this, there's this lesson in temperance that you cannot be a totally pure being. So that's kind of the reason why the angel has wings of desire, right? It's And it's the his desire or her desire that gives him the ability to fly right mm-hmm. um so yeah you have this difficult time uh, especially if you have just gone through the ordeal of death right and this angel comes to you and says okay so you're you're going through this this transition this transformation and uh now is the time to not necessarily overdo it. You need to take things in stride. You need to go with the flow, stay in the present. Um, kind of live in li- moderation. Live in moderation, yeah, for sure. Like uh, definitely, definitely not giving in too much to um, temptations, which will come next card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a warning if you if you do not abide by the laws of temperance. <laughs> um yeah, so definitely uh live in moderation, live in balance. Oh, I I just forgot what I was gonna say. I gotta look at my notes over here. Mm. Oh my god, so, so, my phone just keeps buzzing. All right, you cannot be a totally pure being, right? So uh, just like the how the angel had these red wings, right? Symbolizing that desire is actually what's giving him the ability to fly. You also cannot seek to be a completely pure person. Like you cannot, it, it might seem like a, a nice goal to have to be this uh, completely pure and positive and perfect being, but... Uh, temperance is actually saying, hey, that's not really possible. That's not attainable. That's not the way life works. Hmm. And, Just something you can strive for, but at the same point, like, realize that uh, there's like, more to life-ish? It's not so much that there's more to life. It's that this there's this, this idea that it's impossible. It's an impossible goal. Hmm. Um, striving for perfection is impossible mm-hmm. um and when you are continuing to strive for something that is impossible well you are denying reality you are denying the present right um so it's this idea of hey wake up be aware um and you need to accept both sides of yourself because if you don't uh then temptation will surely come towards you right 
Um, and the, the harder you fight that temptation, the, the harder it is to avoid, if mm-hmm. you will. So it's almost, it's easier to embrace both sides of yourself, embrace the darkness with the light so that you can live in moderation and find that balance. That was beautiful right there. <laughs> that is the lesson of temperance. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to explain yeah. is that it's, it really is this coming together of opposites, right? Um, and it's, it's interesting that you have this path that leads towards the mountains on one side of, of the angel. Cause it's like, it's almost like it's saying, you know, you have a choice of, uh, scrounging around in the grass or going along this, this well-defined path and you get to choose which, which one you want to do. Um, and part of that is by, I think, like if you were to kind of go around the grass, like technically it's it's possible, but you're fighting you're you're fighting the way mm-hmm. all along, and you don't yeah. necessarily know um, where you're gonna where you're gonna wind up. Whereas if you follow the path, uh, well, you have this bright sun in the future, and you know you, you have, go to the mountains. You get to go to the mountains. You know where you're gonna head. You know where you're headed. So it's kind of just saying um, this is this is also saying that. Now is the time to listen to your inner voice. Mm-hmm. Um, your inner voice is going to guide you. If you don't listen to it, you're going to be kind of blinded as if you're going along in those in those tall grasses, right? So temperance often shows up for, for me when I am uh, giving a reading for someone who is perhaps overdoing it, perhaps working too hard, um, but also maybe not working hard enough. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a warning and tells you to try to find the balance between what it is you're doing, what it is you're seeking. And it can also show up after a large ordeal. And it says, this is the way that you can come back. You got to listen to your own, your inner voice, your Mm -hmm. inner guidance in order to uh, find your path again. All right. Amazing. So, uh, Tell us a story, will you, Biddy? <laughs> I will try it. My so it's interesting. So today, like I said, I'm going to be looking at Sifrosine, which is not really a story as much mm-hmm. as I've been saying with all the other cards that we've been looking at. But it's more of an idea and well, a temperance virtue. is an idea exactly. and a virtue as well, which is why I thought that it worked perfectly because the definition of Sifrosine is temperance. <laughs> yeah, so right. I'm like, well, I have to talk about this. So of course, yeah. So one of the definitions. Definitions. The other definitions are things that you've been talking about: moderation, balance, prudence, self-control, excellent, yeah. um, and excellence of character and soundness and soundness of mind, mm-hmm. which then leads to the self-control. It definitely um, are. These are all attributes that create, I think, a wise person. <laughs> the Greeks thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So normally, this is applied to a behavior of someone um, and is seen as the opposite of being hubris. Um, mm. But what was interesting that I actually, and this is how I always viewed, viewed a Sufrasane, but during my research I found out that she is actually a minor goddess as well, which I didn't know about. So yay learning. Yay, exactly. <laughs> this is why I love doing this because I get to learn lots of interesting things. Um, but so Sufrasne was actually one of the minor goddesses that escaped from Pandora's box when she opened. And again, very soon we'll be talking um, about that myth as well. But as soon as she opened the box, 
Sifrosne flew back up to Mount Olympus and was like, nope, not with the humans. <laughs> I want to be with the other gods and goddesses. Never mind them. So it's interesting that's something that like we strive for mm-hmm. and it's not contained within us. It's kind of something outside of ourselves. Oh, that is that cool. Sense. Yeah. Like you almost have to call on Cassiel in order to help you through these times. Like mm-hmm. call on temperance. Exactly, That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we see this in many writings, again, throughout um, Greek literature. Um, one of the, f- not first, but one of them is, is in Plato, and Frosne is debated in one of his dialogues, um, mm-hmm. Charmides, I believe it's called. And then we have in epic poetry as well. So in the Iliad, um, or if you've seen the movie Troy, at least, maybe some of these names you sound <laughs> familiar, but... Some epic exemplars of this are Nestor, Menelaus, Diomedes, and Odysseus. Um, We talked a little bit about Achilles before. Achilles and Ajax, who's my favorite Trojan hero, do not have this quality. (laughs) (laughs) They are the opposite. So it's interesting that it's not a heroic virtue, per se, at all. Um, Again, they're more the opposite. They have more of that hubris nature to them so it's kind of kind of neat in that sense or I think it is um and then later there's some moral and and even later religious um applications to the term but a couple of quick stories that I wanted to go over and again one that we talked about before was that of Penelope and Odysseus um we talked about for the lovers so this is a quality that Penelope has definitely for sure, for sure, that she has. And they actually talk about, and they mention this word in the Iliad, or no, sorry, in the Odyssey, in one of the final chapters, um, when Penelope is talking to the nurse when Odysseus arrives. And again, it's during this recognition scene, um, so I'd say to go back and listen to, <laughs> to the lovers episode there, but basically she's saying, no, like I need to have this sense of balance and moderation. I'm not just going to lose myself over to the excitement or to the possibilities. Like you need to stay more like even keel. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another play that I wanted to mention, because I don't really get to talk about this one too much, but it's called Hippolytus. And it's a play by Euripides. And um, let's just pull that up there. Because it's one of the main themes of this play, and especially the morality of it. So in this play, oh, no, actually, backtrack. All right. So later on, so I was speaking about how it had epic implications and not being a heroic virtue. Yeah. Once we get to the <laughs> fifth century, however, it changes a little it starts bit. Starts looking more like a virtue. It does, and we have, and it can have more of a pol- either political context or moral context. So politically, if one had um, Sufrosine, it is the willingness to defer to authority or to know one's place. So you know your place mm-hmm. in society, or I don't know when someone says that, you know. Not what class you are, but you know your ranking. You know what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to be kind of thing. You know your place in society, basically. Um, But morally, it's pretty different because it normally indicates a sexual purity or a chastity. Ah. Which is obviously very different. Yeah, those are also considered virtues as well. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. And so that's the important theme that we look at when we're looking at the 
play Hippolytus. So in this mm-hmm. play, Phaedra, one of the main characters, she lusts after her stepson, Hippolytus. Stepson, however, they're similar in age yeah. at that point. So Weird. It is weird. <laughs> it's Aphrodite's fault. <laughs> I'll blame it on her. Um, she kind of yeah makes Phaedra lust after him. Mm-hmm. Um, but she restrains herself and, and thus her virtue by killing herself. So oh, man. her sufrosine is in, again, that not giving in to that temptation and remaining chaste. So that's, the, that's wow. the positive for her. Wow. Whereas on the other hand, we have Hippolytus. And the reason for his, again, is his chastity. So Hippolytus is a dev- devotee of Artemis. And as such, he denounced sex and mm-hmm. Aphrodite as a result. Uh, in his attempts to serve Artemis, who is a virgin goddess. So there are a few virgin goddesses, like Artemis and Athena. They're like, nope. And so Hippolytus, being a hunter, he's like, no, I like Artemis. She is my gal. That's it. That's the (laughs) only one for me. Um, But, (laughs) big but, because it's a tragedy, his devotion does not save him. And at the end of the play, Hippolytus is actually trampled by his own horses and killed. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it is no. a good play, so I, oh, I would geez. recommend reading it. Yeah. But it's, again, it's it's balanced and they're being chased, but is it good? Is it not good? And another book that I'd actually like to recommend is called Sufrasine, Self-Knowledge and Self-Restraint in Greek Literature. If this is something, you know, if you're finding it interesting, want to learn more about it, it's by Helen North. Um, It's kind of expensive on Amazon, so I would recommend just looking at your local library for it or even online. It might be there too, and that just gives even more information about it if it's, again, something you'd want to look into more. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about uh, the story of Sophrosyne, right, um, I was I was kind of reminded of a quote that was also done about, um, or something that was said about, um, what's his name, Victor Frankl's book called The uh, Man's Search for Meaning, right? And he says, some, it says something along the lines of, um, our primary drive in life is not pleasure, as Freud Uh, has said but the discovery and pursuit of what we personally find meaningful Mm. and I think temperance is kind of that quality that enables us to find those deeper meanings Um, something that enables us to withhold from pleasure um, and yeah maybe denounce Aphrodite (laughs) much to our own uh, (laughs) Trampling by horses. Yes. (laughs) Unfortunately. It's just, it's so interesting. I I think it is, like you talked about dualities in the card, and there's almost dualities in that play of, you know, what happens when you do remain chaste. You know, for the woman, it's seen as a good thing, but for the man, he's then killed. Yeah. So it's kind of... Well, that might be, that might be more of a quality of the time (laughs) than the... Yeah. 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 Uh... Uh. Sexism in myths. <laughs> oh, make a I've little been, song for that. Make a little should. jingle. <laughs> I've been pretty good about it. I try not to bring it out as much as it actually is in there. It's it's, it's, it's in huge. there a lot. It's in there <laughs> quite um, a lot. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's pretty much all we got to say. This, yeah. This week. Yeah. Um. Next week we have 
a scary card. <laughs> it's not it's not that scary. Please listen. <laughs> Please listen anyways. Yes. Um, yeah, so that brings us to the end of our episode. Yeah, thank you everyone so much for listening. Yes, thank you for being with us still. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it makes us so happy. We're both very thrilled to be doing the podcast and to continue doing it. Um, so if you would like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a review and ratings on iTunes, or you can also subscribe as a Patreon. Um, we are there as well. You can pledge it's a really, really small amount, $1 per episode. Just helps us keep things going, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, if you'd like to get it in touch. It's not free to do this episode for us, but it would be nice if you contributed. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's free for you guys, it's and we're happy you guys. to, to yeah. have it that way, but it also helps us. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, again, if you'd like to get in touch with us, as always, we are mythtarolove at gmail.com. Um, we also have our Facebook group, the Myth Tarot Love Podcast, where you can communicate with us and fellow listeners. That's right. Yeah. Uh, next week, we are going to be looking at the devil mm. and Prometheus. So maybe a little bit more along the lines of what happens if you uh, seek a path of hubris. <laughs> yep. If you piss off Zeus a little bit. If you piss off Zeus. <laughs> Um, Our parting words for today do come from the American Tarot Association, and it is that life seeks balance. And if you strive to be a totally positive being, you will be fighting the current all the way. It is better to embrace moderation and go with the flow. Stories, cards, and symbols, and all of the above.